Welcome to the Illuminations Media Network. And welcome back to the Illuminations Media Network. This is Tamara, your host, and I'm so excited to bring you another enlightening episode. Today, I get to actually have a conversation with a fellow hypnotherapist, and her name is Erica Flint. And just to introduce her and to give you a little bit of information about her before we start on this journey, uh, Erica is an award-winning hypnotist. She's an author a speaker, and the co-host of a popular podcast series, Hypnosis, Etc. She's also the founder of Cascade Hypnosis Center in Bellingham, Washington. And she's also the creator of the Reprogram Your Weight System. And that's why we're here to talk about her book that helps you to stop thinking about food all the time and regain control of your eating and to lose that weight once and for all. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome you, Erica, to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Tamara. It's great to be here. Um, I'm just super excited to share this information with our listeners and to talk with you. So I am so excited to talk with you, a fellow hypnotist as well. That's right, a sister hypnotist. I'm, I'm right. really thrilled. Uh, we're going to be able to understand each other's language here. That's right. <laughs> so it's going to yeah. be really cool. But, you know, I would just love to get into um, the book that you wrote. I mean, I've looked through it. I haven't had an opportunity to read it cover to cover, and I will. But uh, I just looked at so much uh, information that's just chalked into this book, and you, you've put it out so, so clearly and concisely so that clients can really understand how their brains work you know, understanding how those beliefs are formed that tend to get in the way of weight loss. So there are several things that we can begin with, but I think the first thing that I want to start with is is how you help your clients to understand how the mind and body work to create those beliefs. Let's start there. Yeah, I'm, and that usually I start with um, a basic discussion of conditioning. You know, I just tell people, you know what, we're trained to eat wrong, right? So yeah. when you're little, uh, you're little and you skin your knee, it's very common for your mom to give you a cookie, right? So you get a, little, you get a cookie and you feel better, right? So we get conditioned from a very young age in a lot of ways to eat wrong. So I call it, you know, getting trained to eat wrong, basically. Um, other instances, uh, for example, have you ever been a member of the Clean Plate Club? Have you ever been taught that you have to finish all the food on your plate, right? Yeah, the starving um, kids in China, right? Yeah, or Africa or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, and another uh, belief that we're uh, taught when we're younger is, you know, you have to eat uh, breakfast is the most important meal of the day or you have to eat at a very specific time of the day. Um, all of these beliefs um, are okay, usually when we're kids. First of all, because we're growing, we are going to school, and so a lot of these uh, societal um, habitual eating patterns are useful when we're children, okay? So, I mean, can you imagine a second-grade teacher just saying, all right, everybody, just bring out your lunch whenever you're hungry, right? I mean, it would be chaotic. Um, you couldn't get, get stuff done. 
I know, you wouldn't get anything done. But as we get right. older, we have to trade in those old ways of eating for new ways of eating because what happens over time with all of these repetitive patterns and ways of eating, we are completely disconnected to our body's needs. So what ends up happening is we're not eating because we're hungry anymore. We're eating because the clock says so. We're eating because someone else says it's time to eat. We're eating for all sorts of other reasons, but it's rarely because of biological reasons. It's rarely because we're actually hungry. And so people end up eating so much additional food. As a matter of fact, my clients, when, they, when we're done working together, I always ask them, how much food are you eating now? And it's usually anywhere between 25 to 50% of the amount of food that they used to be eating because they're just, they're, you know, they're eating because they're thinking they should be eating rather than feeling a sense of hunger. Right. And, you know, on that tip, Erica, I've noticed with a lot of my clients, they don't even know what it feels like to be hungry because they've never allowed their bodies to, to, to tell them that they're hungry. That's right. And that's a concern of a lot of my clients. They're like, oh, my gosh, Erica, this is making me nervous because I can't remember the last time I was hungry. And so I always tell them, you know what, just wait. Just wait. It's going to be just fine. Guess what's happening when you're not eating? Your body is drawing from stored resources. So I tell them there's, you know, there's a savings account of energy on their body, right? We have another term for it. It starts with an F, um, fat, right, which I usually don't like to use that word. Um, but it is stored energy on the body. Stored energy on the body. When you're not eating, your body is drawing from stored energy. So there's nothing wrong. Just wait. And for most of my clients, it's usually, you know, they'll wait six, eight hours, and then they actually will get hungry again. And now they're listening to their body. It's just like, you know, I'll ask them, how do you know when it's time to go to the bathroom, right? Do you just yeah. like, hey, everyone, let's meet at the bathroom at 9 a.m. And we'll all go to the bathroom at 9. <laughs> it's and you know, Erica, signal, you know, it's interesting, you know, that's similar to, okay, hey, it's time to eat. Everybody lines yeah. up, hey, class, it's time to go to the bathroom. We're yep. programmed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's the primary um, initial dis- discussion that I have with a lot of my clients, and, and they resonate with that. And they'll tell me some of the other things that they're aware of. So they will um, sit down in front of the television and, you know, what happened to the bag of chips? I came out here with a bag of chips, and where'd all the chips go? I don't even remember eating it. So there's mindless eating, um, and there's other things uh, like, don't you want to grow up big and strong? Finish all the food on your plate. Don't you want to, you know, grow up like your, your big brother? Make sure to finish all the food on your plate. That type of thinking really conditions people to eat not when they're not even hungry. So that's a big problem. Right. So we've talked about some of those problems. Okay, we've, we've got these beliefs that we've formed uh, living in this orderly society. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so certainly we know what to do. So what are some of the common issues that keep people from doing what they know to do? What keeps people from actually acting on those healthy behaviors? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, One is just the conditioning. So once they are understanding the conditioning and what they should do instead, that's just the first step. The biggest issue I see comes in two, two areas. 
First is it's just biological. If people are eating sugar, um, then sugar causes a problem because what happens is they'll eat the sugar, then they get, you know, the insulin response basically, and they'll get hungry again. So when you're having a high amount of sugar, you'll be hungry all day long. So that's uh, one part of it, right? And I think a lot of people know that, um, but they're still not following through on it for the third, which I think is the biggest problem that I see in my office, is emotional eating. So people are turning to food to feel better. They're stressed and they eat. They're bored and they eat. And those are the two primary emotions that I see in my office that are causing people to eat. So they're eating not out of hunger, but because they want to distract themselves from another feeling that doesn't feel good. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I got yelled at today. They might not even be conscious that they are doing that. And, um, but that's what that's what's happening. You know, they have a bad day, and they they end up at the drive-through again on the way home. And they're sitting in the drive-through, thinking, "How did I get here? I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna go through the drive-through today." As a matter of fact, I have my gym clothes in the car. I was gonna cook a healthy dinner, but here I'm in the drive-through again be, uh, because I had a bad day. Right. So part of it is conditioning, and part of it is just uh, emotional eating is the biggest issue. Right. Trying to feel better. And it goes back to that, I've skinned my knee and mommy gives me a cookie. Yeah, that's know. right. And it works so, yeah. for kids. It, it doesn't. Right, because yeah. a skinned knee isn't as big of a problem as um, I have to put my parents in a home or my husband lost his job or mm-hmm. my son is suffering from drug addiction. You know, I mean, a lot of the problems that my clients are, are dealing with are really big issues, hard issues, and they don't just go away because you eat a cookie. Right. And you mentioned drugs. Well, a lot of people, you know, handle these, uh, these raw and painful emotions with drugs and substances. And uh, people who have eating issues tend to turn to food, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I see a lot of, um, you know, there's a study done that compares uh, the brain's response to cocaine as being similar to the brain's response to sugar. So we know that sugar behaves like a drug in the brain. And so what happens is you get like this pleasure, this positive feedback response from the brain when you eat particular foods. So for that moment, right, so this is what's happening with emotional eating. Uh, people are getting that instantaneous gratification. So I want to feel better now, right? You've got this kind of primitive part of the brain that doesn't feel good. It just wants to feel better. And so you're satisfying that part of the brain. I want to feel better now, but it has very long-term negative consequences. And so you're trading in, you know, you're kind of trading in, what I tell my clients is you're trading in tomorrow's happiness, because what you're doing is you're trying to feel better now with instantaneous gratification, and then you're going to pay for it later because most uh, people, if they have the cookie or the cupcakes or whatever it is, um, and it doesn't even have to be something like that. Sometimes it's just too much of healthy food. Um, but nonetheless, a couple hours later, they feel guilty. So then, you know, what happens when somebody feels guilty? An emotional eater, when they feel guilty, what do they do? Well, <laughs> they're going to eat. <laughs> They're going to eat, so it causes a really, a really painful cycle, right? Certainly, um, and, it is. Yeah, so that is really something um, that is important to help people with finding some other way to address the stress in their life. Uh, something else that helps them feel better and perhaps gives them some of that instantaneous gratification um, to feel better that doesn't have any negative long-term um, impact. Right, and you know, you talked about that primal part of the brain. Mm-hmm. You know, let's face it, that part of the brain is, is trying to take care of us. 
Yep. You know, it's trying to, to help us to feel better and so that we can return to that homeostasis. Yep. And certainly, you know, in your book, you've got some tactical approaches to finding those, those better solutions. Uh, yeah. What are some of those better solutions? I mean, certainly, um, you know, people can plan ahead because we know what's going to come. Right? We know right. the stress is going to come. We know what our brain is going to do. And we know what we've done in the past. How do you get people to plan ahead? Yeah, planning ahead is a really important aspect because anytime we're caught off guard, um, we tend to make poorer decisions. And so as far as planning ahead, usually what I'll ask my clients is, okay, how much time do you think it will take for you to actually plan healthy meals or do the shopping or whatever it is? And it usually comes down to maybe 20 or 30 minutes a day. And so I'll ask mm-hmm. them, okay, if you're going to spend 20 or 30 minutes a day, but in, and that is an investment in yourself. So for that investment, you get to lose weight and keep it off for the rest of your life. Is it worth it? Of course, everybody says yes. So what we have to do is just make it easy for them to do that. And so what I'm teaching my clients, eat only when you're actually hungry. Stop when you're not hungry anymore. And you have to do something to generate those good feelings in your body. So I want them to do something else that's generating good feelings in the body, like a dopamine, so that when it comes to the comes to time when they're having stress in their life, um, they already are feeling relatively good, and so they're not going to have that knee-jerk reaction to food. And so some of those good things um, that people do to generate those good feelings um, have to do with kind of the common things that a lot of people used to love to do before they got too busy and had the kids and the job and everything. So it comes down to music, walking, singing, poetry, art, all of those types of things that tend to get squeezed out as we get older and more responsibility and more stress, that type of thing. So it really comes down to excellent self-care becomes somewhat preventative as far as the rest of the day goes by the end of the day. Now, you know what, they do have that energy and homeostasis, that balance enough to go to the gym or go on that walk and cook the healthy dinner by the end of the day. Right. And, you know, in a lot of those cases, I, I help people to, to find that inner child. Mm-hmm. And remember that part of themselves that used to love to play yeah. and the part that still wants to play. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of clients will visualize that part and they'll see that little seven-year-old self standing there with her hands on her hips saying, I'm not going to let you lose the weight until you play with me. <laughs> right. Well, you know, that you know? that play, like that laughter, exactly what you're talking about there, that really mm-hmm. uh, creates such good uh, neurochemicals in our brain. Yes. And it's so important to do that so that, you know, you might not even, I'll, I'll give you an example. So I've had uh, clients where one of the issues, stressful job, donuts in the break room, right? This is kind of a common thing. And whether it's donuts or cookies or whatever it is, um, but I had a client once and, you know, we're working together on these types of things. So she would go on a walk. Anytime she would get an idea for the donuts, I would say go on a walk instead. Because really all the brain wants is to feel better and it wants that break. So the idea Mm -hmm. of the donuts really is your brain saying, please give me a break. And so to, to your point, let's go play. We've been working. Let's go play. And so she went and took her uh, 10-minute walk. Well, guess what? Pretty soon, she didn't even notice the donuts anymore. And this came up to her because a colleague had said, you know, hey, did you notice the donuts from the new bakery in the break room? And she said, 
No, and I was just in there. I didn't even notice them. So what happens is it reprograms the brain to only notice the things with which are healthy for us, and that makes the process even easier because now she wasn't even compelled to say no to the donuts. She just didn't even notice them. Right. And, and you know those details that you're, you're speaking of right there where the brain was reprogrammed, there's, there's a new patterning that happens where the person doesn't even notice the things that they used to notice. So yep. they're not triggered by the things that used to trigger them. So if we talk a little bit about how hypnosis works to do that, uh, give us an idea of, of what you do in hypnosis to help to reprogram and repattern that, that way of, of uh, triggering. Sure, of course. Well, first of all, the term that I like to use is called neuroplasticity. And the reason I want to bring that up is because I think a lot of people believe that we can't change our brain. And I know when I was a kid, I remember uh, seeing a a commercial. I don't know, uh, Tamara, if you remember this one, but it was like, here's your brain on drugs. Um, You don't don't get any new brain cells, right? Remember that that fried egg in the frying pan? (laughs) I remember. (laughs) Yeah. And the idea was you don't get new brain cells, right? Yeah, it was scary. good ad, actually, but it wasn't true. We can generate new brain cells. We can change our brain. And so, first of all, that's called neuroplasticity, so it's totally possible to change your brain. Second, to what you were saying earlier, kind of the inner child stuff, a lot of these emotions that are driving people to overeat come from, they stem from things that have happened to them in their past. So, um, you know, a lot of people who have had some real deep suffering in their life, you know, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, abandonment, really terrible things, bullied, made fun of, you know, a lot of my clients, I'm helping them with some really deep, terrible issues. And so this this bad feeling, like when they're sitting at work and they get yelled at by their boss or um, they aren't included in something or someone, you know, they're uh, in a, an argument with a family member who's been a problem their whole life, it just, um, it initiates and kind of hits on all of those old feelings. So really what it does is it amplifies, the, it amplifies in the moment a bad feeling because it's connected to all of these other bad feelings. And then that negative bad feeling is overwhelming in the moment, and that's where they're reaching, where they're really reaching for that sugar or something like that to help them feel better in the moment. Yeah. So hypnosis, we do neuroplasticity to kind of change how the brain, change those um, pathways in the brain so that instead what happens is we get rid of um, significant amount of negative emotional energy that's left over from from bad feelings in the past. And then what happens is if somebody uh, is rude or mean, you're just experiencing that moment of it, not that moment uh, resonating with every other time that it's happened to you in your whole life. Um, And it's much more manageable. Um, But the second thing that we do is then we give the brain another option. And this is so fascinating because what happens is if you've always uh, felt stressed and then eaten, stress, eat, stress, eat, stress, eat, stress, eat, and this goes on and on and on, um, those neural pathways are actually wired together, right? So you're probably familiar with yes. uh, Hebb's law, right? What other, whatever fires together, wires together. So what happens when you don't feel good in a moment is your brain, it's as if your brain only has one choice, okay? And the one choice is I'm stressed, I eat, I'm stressed, I eat, I'm stressed, I eat. So hypnosis, we get to break that, and then we get to give the brain a new choice. And the new choice might be go on that walk, listen to the music, Go paint, go outside, go pet your dog, go sit in the sun, 
go to the hot tub, you know, go run an errand, go do anything else. So it gives people that moment, that break, that breath where they can make a better choice. So it gets rid of that knee-jerk response. So now you can have a thoughtful response instead. So it's super powerful. Um, Yeah, and my clients will report, you know, I'm not thinking about food all the time. And, And for some reason, everything seems easier to them because all of a sudden it feels as if they have a choice. So they know what they're supposed to do. In the past, they would just never follow through, and that would be so frustrating. But now they have a choice, and so they're able to follow through on that choice. They don't have the guilt afterwards. As a matter of fact, they feel good about themselves. So they're sleeping better at night. They have more energy, which then facilitates an even better day the next day. So this helps to facilitate kind of like a positive cycle. It is so beautiful. And, and you know, you, you spoke about uh, having another choice. That, that when in hypnosis, they can get to see and experience another option and to do it repeatedly, right, right. with future pacing and, and all the other techniques, that, that that brain gets to have a memory of success. Correct. Successfully. Future expectation of success, yeah. Yes, that's it. And, and that is so very key because then it's not so foreign. You know, then the individual can see that it is actually possible and <laughs> their brain can accept it more easily in that hypnotic state. Right. And they, so they're playing it out in their mind ahead of time. So when the time comes, they, know, they already know what to do and they're expecting it and they can follow through without thinking about it. And then it's not a surprise. So the other thing that you can do since you mentioned it earlier is mm-hmm. you, can, you can do this. You can have them imagine a stressful situation making a good choice. So imagine that you have a stressful day at work, right, and what do you do instead of you know, so this comes with planning. First of all, you're going to plan not to do this, but then you imagine how good it's going to feel to make that better choice, and at the end of the day, how much better you feel as well. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and this, this speaks directly uh, to that law of attraction, you know, and, and, Absolutely. and yes, <laughs> we do well, have to go there. We do, yeah, because a lot of times clients will come in and all they know is what they don't want. So I don't want to be overweight. I don't want to think about food all the time. I don't want to be Mm -hmm. eating so much. And so when you're talking about the law of attraction, what you're doing there is you're focusing on everything you don't want. And we also know that that biologically, whatever we focus on grows. So if you're looking at it from a hypnotic standpoint, not a spiritual or law of attraction one, you could say the same thing is true. Whatever you focus on grows. So that's the first thing I'm going to do with my clients if they come in and say, I don't want to eat so much. I don't want to be so stressed. I don't want to be, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. It's like, okay, what do you want? I want you to only focus on that. What? And you know, in my experience, most people do not know what it is that they do want. All they the really know, know yep. is what they don't want. And guess what? That's what they keep getting. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> you know, we have, we have a negativity bias. So biologically, mm-hmm. yes. we are more focused on the negative for our survival. And that helped us when we were being chased around by saber-toothed tigers. But nowadays, it's much more valuable to basically what I, call, I would consider this, you turn down the volume on all of those stations you don't want to listen to and turn up the ones that you really want to focus on. So just pay 
pay minimal, zero, you know, zero to minimal attention on all of those things that you don't want and tell me everything that you do want. Um, and so I, I love how there's the overlap between hypnosis and the law of attraction there because it really is so true. I have actually a, a, hypnos- a hyp- hypnotic hypnosis success board in my office where the first thing that I ask clients when they come in, what worked for you this week? And then they write their success up on the board. When they start focusing on everything that is working, all this stuff that wasn't working, it, it seems to take care of itself. It just fades away. Doesn't it? And that's where the magic is. It truly is magic. Well, Erica, this has been so divine. It has been so wonderful to speak with someone who understands the language here. Yeah, (laughs) Um, it's (laughs) it's awesome. But in our last few moments here, and and we definitely want you to come back again because we, you know, we have just briefly uh, brushed over the surface. But but I just want you to let the listeners know how they can contact you, how they can set up an appointment, um, mm-hmm. also uh, get into your uh, hypnosis training too, and anything else that you'd like to share about yourself. Oh, it's just been fantastic uh, being here today with you tomorrow. Tomorrow, um, Thank you so much. And to all of your uh, listeners out there, you can find information on my book, reprogramyourweight.com. That's online. If you're interested in training with me, I'd love to train more hypnotists. We don't have enough good hypnotists out there. There's so many people that need help. So I absolutely love helping heart-centered people help others with hypnosis. That's CascadeHypnosisTraining.com. And I would love to be uh, on your show again tomorrow. So thank you very much. That would be awesome. You have been listening to Erica Flint the author of Reprogram Your Weight. Go out and get that book. (laughs) Peace and blessings, and I thank everyone for listening. And remember, my grandmother, the very metaphysical saying, get your head together first and your ass will follow. Thank you for listening. This is Tamara Westwood, your host, signing off.